Global Connections Television is a privately funded, independently produced program. The opinions expressed on Global Connections are solely those of the moderator and his guests. We invite you to go to the website at www.globalconnectionstelevision.com to view previous shows. Global Connections is provided at no cost to help people in the U.S. and worldwide better understand how international issues impact our lives. Welcome to today's Global Connections program. I'm Bill Miller. Today we're going to take a look at a very interesting organization within an organization, the United Nations, and that's the UN Conference on Trade and Development. My guest is an expert on this topic. Dr. Chataline Carpentier is the New York Office Chief for the UN Conference on Trade and Development, commonly called UNCTAD. Dr. Carpentier has a distinguished career and brings to UNCTAD over 28 years of strategic leadership and program management experience. Dr. Chanteline Carpentier, welcome to today's Global Connections program. Thank you, Bill. Happy to be with you. Thank you. It's delightful to see you again. It's been several years now, especially with this COVID outbreak. But let's just jump right in to what is, uh, start off, what is the UN Conference on Trade and Development? Briefly, what's its mission? Yeah, and many people don't know, but UNCTAD was founded in 1964 in the context of decolonization. And basically, the new foreign um, uh, sovereign developing nation realized that the international economic system did not offer them the opportunities to actually to grow and develop. So they call on the UN to convene a conference on trade and development in Geneva. And this is how UNCTAD was created. So because to address the major issue that they raised, such as high tariffs and commodity prices and debt servicing costs, they asked for a secretariat to be established, which is UNCTAD today. So since then, we've held you know, a, a ministerial conference every four years. And our new Secretary General, Ms. Rebecca Greenspan, former Prime Minister of, of Costa Rica, uh, joined us right before the conference last year in Barbados. Wonderful, wonderful. Yes, and she has quite a bit of uh, experience in the international arena, as I recall. Well, you, you're involved with a very important agency. And of course, we see there's just a myriad of crises going on around the world. We see what's happened, the horrific war in, in Ukraine. We see the COVID pandemic may be coming back a little, hopefully not, but it, it seems to be moving in that direction. Now, as I understand it, the Secretary General, Antonio Guterres, put together a crisis group that your Secretary General is leading. Is that correct? What, what is that crisis group and what was uh, the Secretary General's purpose of setting it up? Yeah, that's, this is such an important issue, Bill, because as you know, we feel like we're recovering from COVID-19, but we have to be very mindful that it's a two-speed recovery. Developing countries are not at the same level that we are, and actually they're not expected to, re, to go back to uh, pre-COVID-19 era until 2024 in terms of their economic growth. And on top of that, you add the war in Ukraine, and what a lot of people did not realize is that a lot of developing countries are very dependent on Ukraine and Russia for a lot of their um, uh, wheat uh, and other products, fertilizers and, and oil and gas. And so um, what we started looking, we produced a report at UNCTAD under the leadership of SG Greenspan and the Secretary General saw that and then felt compelled to create this um, global crisis response group and asked my Secretary General to basically lead the financing crisis working group as well as coordinate the three groups. So we have one on food, one on fuel, 
and, and energy and one on finance. And so what we did, the first report, um, I don't know if you saw, we had the, the Secretary General and our Deputy Secretary General, Amina Mohamed, and my Secretary General, Rebecca Greenspan, launched the first report on 13th of April. And it's astounding what we found, uh, Bill. 107 countries, developing countries, are, at, are vulnerable to at least one of these three potential crises, food, fuel, or, or finance. And that represents 1.7 billion people and, uh, 30, and 35 of the 46 poorest countries are in that list. Um, and then what we found is also that 69 of these economies are at severe exposure to all three of them. And we saw Sri Lanka already defaulted on sovereign debt. So we're really uh, worried about the, 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 triple, the triple down effect on developing countries of these three crises, which is worse than the financial and food crisis we had in, 20, in 2007, eight. Now, are you developing a strategy to help them to deal with these crises that are underway right now? Is that the idea? That's exactly the idea, Bill. Instead of waiting and see, and then they default, and then they, we have uh, social unrest because people can't feed their family, we want to see where the, the, the kind of a heat map of which country are at risk, and then work with our regional commissions, work with our country team, as you know, through the reform, we now have country team in each country, and provide them the, um, the capacity to help these countries with policies, with technical assistance, and also with funding. Uh, to be able to address these these issues before um, we they, they, they go in full uh, full uh, crisis, and so we will do that. And the reform of the UN under Secretary General Guterres is going to allow us to be able to be more hands on and and on the ground. And that's a very important to do is to preempt it as much as possible, even though we're well underway with some of these crises. And again, our viewers can go to your website at www unctad.org for more information. You were talking about how the developing country, economically developing countries are going to be impacted. All of a sudden, the developed countries have realized they too are going to be really impacted, especially when we talk about Ukraine as the breadbasket of not only Europe, but of many areas of the world with soy, oil, and that type of thing. And that's been tamped down. The wheat production is down. So it's, it's a major, major problem. And it's going to get worse unless we can reverse this, this conflict. Speaking of Ukraine, while we're on that, just for a moment, uh, we see that the United Nations, of course, the UN Security Council has been paralyzed because Russia has a permanent uh, vote, uh, one of the five permanent members of the Security Council. But the Security Council last week came up with a resolution that all the members agreed to, to promote a peaceful settlement to the Ukrainian crisis. And of course, the United Nations has several agencies on the ground, the UN World Food Program, UN Children's Fund, you've got the International Atomic Energy Agency, just a myriad of UN agencies. Now, what is UNCTAD's role in looking at or dealing with this conflict in Ukraine? Yeah, so what we do, Bill, is, uh, you know, we each agency stays within their mandate. So we're trying to uh, change the narrative at the global level and be sure that we all understand fully following COVID-19 and this crisis following the, the war in Ukraine, that we all our economies are interconnected. And therefore, we need an extension of debt services suspension initiative that was done at the IMF during the COVID-19, which allow countries to 
wait until they pay their debt services so they could invest in their education and their health system and their uh, small enterprises during the crisis. We also are asking for reallocation of greater share of the special drawing right at the IMF, which was given last year, but most of these special drawing rights are based on the quota for each country. So most of it is dedicated to rich countries, which are not the one that need it the most, but the developing countries. Right. So we're trying to, to push for that as well. We're also calling for refinancing, recapitalizing the multi multilateral development banks so they can be in the have an ability to support countries that um, before the, the, the crisis happened. Um, we also are working to... Uh, sensitized government to prevent export ban, especially on hoarding food production, the food producing nation, to not put export ban and hoarding the food because we have enough to feed everyone, but not if we start hoarding the food. Um, we also work on action to reduce disruption in commodity market, in ensuring um, the free flow of shipping, which is also very affected, um, as well as the domestic measures, so policies that can be put in place at the national level to address the food and the fuel uh, crisis. All of this, Bill, while all of these countries are already having to adapt to climate change. And so we, on the one hand, it's more the global level because that's what UNCTAD does, it's global policies, but also national policies for uh, countries uh, to, to handle this. Exactly. And of course, climate change affects all of us. We cannot get away from it. Unfortunately, it uh, would be wonderful if we could, but it does affect us all. Now, of course, we remember back in, I guess it was 2015, uh, the UN General Assembly adopted the 17 Sustainable Development Goals. And of course, they are very laudable, measurable goals to eliminate poverty, to eliminate hunger, to empower women, to combat climate change, to preserve the oceans, promote sustainability, uh, just on across the board, very, very logical goals and very laudatory goals. goals. How do you factor those into your operations when you're planning, especially for the five areas that you focus on? Yeah, and then it's a good question. So, you know, we're macroeconomics, right? But as I said, we provide policy advice, research, uh, and technical assistance to developing countries. And so for climate change, um, it affects everything that developing countries do. And it also limits a lot of what they can do in their growth. So the way we approach it, Bill, is to look at one is, um, again, changing the narrative. Right now, a lot of the financing for climate change is, is about mitigation. We need financing for adaptation because those countries are in the adaptation phase. And then we say, okay, while you're adapting, instead of just do risk mitigation in your policies, why not take a broader point of view? and look at business opportunity. As you rethink your industrial policies and your, your supply chain, think about business opportunities related to those SDGs that will make your economy and your supply chain more resilient but at this, and, and diversify your economy um, while, take, while you do build adaptation to climate change. And so, and this was in our least developed country report, which was celebrating the 50th anniversary of our LBC work, um, least developed countries, um, which is we need to build the productive capacity of those countries. That's how a country develops, through productive capacity and technical, technological innovation. Now, we also look at the 
spillover effect of some of the policies that our country in the developed world are putting in place. So for instance, as we look at the impact of carbon border carbon adjustment in the EU green plan, how, what will the impact be on developing countries? And is there, are there alternative policies that could be put in place that would have the same uh, impact while not impacting developing countries as much? So we're, this is kind of in the, the broad shell, how we look at these things. And we're gonna need a just transition. We need to help um, these countries and technologies, Bill, we both know, happen, technology transfer happen to two, two main, cha main channels, trade and investment. And so this is where two of the core areas of our mandate. And so we wanna make sure that trade and investment policy lead to this technology getting in the hand of countries so they can decouple their economic growth from greenhouse gas emissions. Trade and investment are absolutely critical. They are so important. And it's good that you're focusing on those. Well, you're watching Global Connections Television, which is a privately funded, independently produced program. The opinions expressed on Global Connections are solely those of the moderator and his guest. We'd invite our viewers to go to our website at www.globalconnectionstelevision.com to view previous programs. Also, if you're involved with a PBS or community access television station, or perhaps an educational institution that has an intra-campus television hookup, or you have a podcast, or you have, just have a computer, you like our shows and you'd like to share them, please feel free to do so. Global Connections Television is provided at no cost as a public service to help us better understand international issues and how they impact our lives. Today, we're taking a look at a, a United Nations agency that is very involved in trade and development, and it's called UNCTAD, the UN Conference on Trade and Development. My guest today is Dr. Chantaline Carpentier, who is the New York Office Chief for the UN Conference on Trade and Development. Dr. Carpentier, we, we have so many issues to talk about today and we'll never get through all of them, but let's just focus uh, for a moment or two on your five work areas and how you do bring practical suggestions to these five areas. And the first one that comes to mind is Africa and the least developed countries and the special programs. What, what are some of the major, or what is the major challenge there? So Bill, we just talk about productive capacity, right? So one of the major challenges for those countries, and that's why they're, they're commodity dependent, that their economy is pretty much, they found one natural resource, they export that one natural resource or that one agricultural commodity, and their whole economy depends on that. So they're very vulnerable to commodity shocks. So one of the way we approach it is to help them diversify their economy uh, and looking in other business opportunities in the world. But just to go back to the least developed country category, would you know that this category was created in 1971 in, in large part due to advocacy from UNCTAD um, to, to basically say these countries without our help will not develop. And we have a, a prerogative as countries to help those countries develop. So what do we do at UNCTAD? We basically provide a annual report that we invite everybody to come look at um, that look at the development challenge facing these least developed countries, which are the 46 poorest country on the planet, uh, and make recommendation and policy uh, to assist them. We also provide them technical assistance to support them, uh, especially in the area of export diversification, structural transformation, and productive capacity. And we invite people to look at the productive capacity index in that context that we've developed. 
uh, that is used for every single country and help countries sequence? Is it more education that I need now? Or is it more infrastructure? Or is it more digital and for investment that I need? And so by looking at this spider diagram, you can actually see where you stand and compare to other countries and over time. A second category of, of vulnerable country is the landlocked developing countries because they don't have access to the open sea. And we know that the cheapest way to trade or ship goods is through, through the ship to seas. And so because they have to go through land, it's more expensive, but also they need to go negotiate with the surrounding countries to ship their goods. So their cost of trade is higher. And therefore, um, we support them in this case. An example would be, Bill, uh, we provide them support to modernize their custom system and work together with surrounding countries to reduce the number of paperwork and delays and, and, and digitize, digitalize all of these requested so the goods can go flow quickly through these frontiers. And the final one maybe SIDS, small island developing states, they're more vulnerable because if you just think about the number of natural disaster that just hit the Caribbeans over the last few years, it gives you a sense of how much of your money goes in just rebuilding uh, your infrastructure. So I'll stop here, but it gives you a sense of um, It certainly does, yes. And those are, that's a very important area. Are there other areas that you're dealing with too? And one is, we, we talk so often about interdependence and we are in an interdependent world. There's no doubt about it. Globalization is here. We may want to try to control it in some way, shape or form or make it more equitable so that we don't have huge income differentials and those types of things. But what are you doing in that area of globalization, interdependence and development? Yeah, so this is uh, mostly macroeconomic. This is kind of the think tank of the house. Looking at trends, where is the world going, the economy going? Is it heading in the right direction? Is it in support of developing countries to reach their, the prosperity that we all should have as individuals on this planet and these interconnections? And what we're finding, Bill, is it's not getting in the right direction. Uh, thankfully, though, it seems like with the COVID-19, what we found is, or what people remembered, Remember the, green, the, the, the New Deal uh, following the, the crash? Well, now people are talking again that the role of government, the, the role of public sector, and you've seen it in the US with the huge stimulus package that was agreed um, under Biden, a lot of it green. You've seen the EU getting involved in a green, uh, in a green New Deal. And so the role of the public sector and investment in the infrastructure, in the economy, and with an angle of who will be left behind and not just an infrastructure or an economy that delivers for the few at the expense of the others. So we see this as a positive. Where we, get, we remain concerned is that these new deals need to include the developing world. We get a lot of populist government now and saying that we don't want immigration and we need to stem immigration. And, but guess what? If, these, if we keep growing our economy and these economies stagnate or go back, these people will keep coming because that's what human beings do. We want to feed our family. We want to give pro a prosperity for our children. And so we live in this very interconnected world and our economy are interconnected and we need to support the, the transition to green economy and prosperity to those economies. Mm -hmm. It would be in everyone's best interest to do that. Well, before we run out of time, there, you had a conference, uh, I guess back at the beginning of April, something like that around April 6th. And I, I haven't read much about it, but I'd like to hear about it. 
It was the UN Oceans Forum to chart a course for Blue Deal on economic recovery and sustainable growth. What were some of the recommendations that came out of that? Well, Bill, so this is, was in preparation for the Ocean Conference, the second big ocean conference that will be held in Portugal. Portugal. And, and it's, uh, it's, it's along the line of, you know, people, it's not just the green economy. We need alternative economic system, but green is one of them. But what about the blue economy, the purple economy, the orange economy? So that, because there's no one solution for everything. So in this one, we look at the blue economy. And some of the recommendations were to promote substitute to plastic, which is killing our ocean, right? to finalize the fisheries subsidies agreement at WTO to remove the subsidies that basically are leading to the over extraction of fish in, in the ocean, address the social issue in the ocean sector. So allow the local communities around the oceans that to be able to capture a greater part of these supply chains uh, of, of what we extract from the ocean, scale up access and use of technologies for the communities and also build a sustainable and resilient supply chain uh, of the ocean economy. There's $24 trillion of unexploited potential economic value in the ocean. There's more biodiversity in the ocean than on land. And many of the small island developing states we talked about depend more, they have more resources of ocean than land. And so how do we help them develop through exploiting sustainably these resources? Very good. That is where we need to focus our attention. Well, we have so many different focal points, but we cannot overlook any of them. But in our last closing minute or so, what do you see as the major challenge confronting UNCTAD and how do we move forward in dealing with this challenge? Yeah, so one of them, uh, Bill, and we kind of alluded to that, is this lack of realization and, and consciousness about how interconnected we are and that we need empathy and we need cooperation and we need solidarity. We're all in this small little planet Earth. Um, and so somehow we've not communicated that very well. We keep trying to do it, but it seems the second big challenge is the digital divide. And so the digital divide just increased with the COVID-19. And it's not just among countries, it, it, uh, between countries, also among countries and within countries. So for instance, if you're in the rural area, in the United States, you have less opportunity. You don't have 5G. You don't have the capacity to take advantage of these day and um, internet of things. Um, and the developing countries that now are not connected are at very high risk of, of not of being left behind. We need to make it a public good to interconnect. The connectivity needs to be an, uh, a public good. It certainly does. And as many, many people have said in the past, we're on this blue marble together. There is no planet B. There's no other place to go. People talk about, well, maybe we'll colonize Mars. Well, yeah, maybe <laughs> that may be a, a hundred. Maybe not in our lifetime, Bill. Not, not, not <laughs> my lifetime anyway. But no, you're absolutely right. And we do, and we have to preserve this planet. And we have to remember that we're interdependent to a large degree. And if we have degradation and poverty and misery and wars taking place in other areas of the world, that's going to affect us. And a lot of people are really shocked to see how just a, a conflict in Ukraine, a country most people probably couldn't find on a map, to be quite honest, is actually affecting, especially the economically developing countries and the developed countries. But yeah. uh, Chanteline, there are so many uh, items that we could talk about today. And of course, uh, I would encourage 
our viewers to go to your website at unctad.org and uh, look at your world investment report from 2021, your least development countries report, which I think you mentioned earlier, and many other really interesting resources that will provide us information on how we can move out of the these problems or dealing with these problems and develop uh, really a more equitable world and a world that will survive and be more sustainable. Dr. Chateline Carpentier, I want to thank you so very much for a very interesting and a very informative program. Thank you so much. Great to <laughs> it's see <a> pleasure. you. <laughs> My pleasure. I'm Bill Miller. Thank you for joining us today on Global Connections Television.